0: You know, David quoted those verses this morning in Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. God's mercies are new every morning. And that reminds me of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where it says, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we can obtain what? Mercy. Now, I need that every day. And I need to go to the throne of grace every day. So when you think about it, that's one way that God's mercy is new every morning because we go to the throne of grace every morning. I wrote, I preached the one sermon, start your day in heaven. Start your day in heaven. This morning we're going to be looking again at 1 John 4 verses 14 through 16. We're going to be talking about the Savior again this morning. And we have heard... And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we know and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. May we pray. Father, may you bless the word to our hearts, open up our minds and understanding that we may receive the engrafted word to build us up in the faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we see in verse 13 of this chapter, that God had given us his spirit. And now it says that uh, John moves to the fact that God sent his son in verse 14. As we look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a reference to the covenant of grace, we see that the Father sent His Son into the world. That's an objective truth. That's that's recording in the Scriptures. And then we see the part where it says, God sent His Spirit into our hearts, crying, out Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit witnesses to the fact that Jesus has come into the world to save His people. And that's a great truth that we have as God's people. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. To redeem them were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we thank God for the witness of the Spirit. It said the Spirit witnessed with our spirit that we are the sons of God in Romans chapter 8. So we thank God that we... One day we heard the objective truth of Christ dying for sins and the Holy Spirit quickened us and bore witness of that truth and we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah for that day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Amen. That's wonderful good news to a sinner's ear. That uh, pamphlet we have by Pyrrhus on the death of Christ. He says in that pamphlet, there's no sinner that is so sinful and so evil, and under such curse and damnation that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse from all sin. Nobody's case is too vile for Jesus. He can cleanse Paul, who was a Pharisee, Mary Magdalene, others who had lived such murderers, thieves, reprobates, God-haters. Jesus can change any individual to a vessel of mercy. Hallelujah for that. If you get opportunity to read that pamphlet on uh, the death of Christ, it's very encouraging, very encouraging. And John said, We who have seen Him, the word must here refer to the actual eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus on earth. In other words, John is referring to himself and to the following apostles. They saw Jesus Christ. We read this in the beginning of the first epistle of John in verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. They saw Jesus face to face, which we have looked upon in hands of of the word of life. You know, the, uh, John the apostle put his arm around Jesus and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray thee? And you remember the time that he told Thomas, uh, reach forth your hand and see this, this, the spirit in my side in the, my hand, the phone, the holes in my hand. And, uh, so they actually saw him and touched him. They knew he wasn't a ghost. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard and declare we also, de- Also into you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Beloved, it's all about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent into our hearts to give us life. We're born again. And then the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ to put our faith and trust in His finished salvation. He's the Savior. He's the Savior. And I want you to rejoice this morning that Jesus is our Savior. You know, I can say He's David's Savior, but can I say He's my Savior? That's when it, that's when it's really personal, when you can say Jesus is my Savior. Hallelujah. He's called the Son, the Son of God by nature. He is the same nature as the Father, the Son who is the image of God, the Son who is God in human flesh, the Lord of glory, and our Savior. Oh, beloved, He is our Savior. And that brings us to Matthew one twenty one, when the angel announced His name should be called Jesus. Now the name Jesus means Savior. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Notice the word shall, not maybe. He's not going to try to do it. He shall save his people from their sins. And we thank God for that. Well, when did that begin? Well, Paul gave us the answer in Second Timothy one nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. There's no works involved in salvation. None at all. Now we're not against works and service, but not in salvation. There's no works in salvation. But according to his own purpose. We're called according to His purpose and grace. Now when was that given us? Which was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the world began. That's when your salvation and my salvation began. It began with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in the everlasting covenant. In the, when they purpose the plan of salvation, God sent forth His Son. We see in time, we see that covenant starting to be manifested in time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son to redeem His people, to save His people. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Paul said in Titus 3, 5, and 6, not, not by works of righteousness. You don't get to heaven by good works. Not by baptism. Not by joining the church. Or the congregation. Not by doing good deeds. We do things because we're born again. It's the fruit of the evidence of salvation. But not the cause of salvation. So many people are under bondage thinking they have to do good works to get to heaven. Some will say, well, maybe my good works are outweigh my bad works. And I'll, I'll go to heaven. Beloved, there's no works can buy you into heaven. It's by grace. Only by grace. By the grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton understood that. He was a slave trader. He, he was an agnostic. He made fun of God and the things of God. That's hard to believe, isn't it? When you, until you read his life and his story of John Newton. And then God brought him down to sickness, almost died. And, uh, he was on a ship and then he come to really see the Savior, the Lord, and renounced himself as an unclean vessel, nothing but rags and, and just filthy, and God reached down by His grace and saved John Newton. And he penned that uh poem, actually, not knowing it would be a famous song one day, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. He penned that, not knowing one day thousands of believers would be singing that in, in congregations around the world. But it goes on to say, But according to His mercy He saved us. See how uh, God was... Uh, Bringing something out this morning through day by bringing up those scriptures. See how we're talking about mercy this morning. Mercy, we began with mercy and we're continuing with mercy. I don't know about you, but every day I do need that mercy. The forgiveness of God. When you look within and see how vile yourself outside of the grace of God, I tell you what I want, I want mercy. Give me mercy, Lord. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. This takes the power of God to make a new creature in Christ Jesus, Roger. We can't do it. The preacher can't do it. We cannot change your heart. We cannot change your soul. We cannot renew your mind. It takes the Holy Ghost power to change an individual and make them into a new creation in Christ Jesus which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. It comes through Christ. There's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. God brings salvation through His Son, through the Holy Spirit, to our heart and souls. So we see that He saved His people, the Savior. He's the Savior. The next thing we see, is the deity of the Savior. He's God. Man in it, just a man could not die for us. Moses couldn't die for us. One of the greatest apostles that ever walked this earth was the Apostle Paul. He couldn't go to the cross and die for you because he could not bear the wrath of God. That's the reason God was manifested in flesh. God's Son manifested in human flesh. Only the God-man could die as our substitute. Plus, Paul would have to die for his own sins. See, and that wouldn't work. He couldn't die for our sins. That's why we have such a Savior, such a Savior. He is represented to have been or existed in the beginning and is asserted to be God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus Christ in John one one. He's called the mighty God in Isaiah nine six. He's called the true God. He is the true and eternal God, 1 John 5.20. He's called a God over all, blessed forever, Romans 9.5. These are verses declaring that Jesus Christ who walked on this earth was God manifested in flesh, God walking in human flesh on the earth. So when you think about the apostles, we saw Him, we heard Him, we touched Him. They're talking about God was walking among the world. Isn't that hard to believe sometime, Brother Day? That God would humble Himself, take on human flesh, and walk among His creation, who has all power and all authority among heaven and earth, who is the Almighty God, the Creator, as we're going to see. Christ had, was from eternal. He's eternal. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning, God. He's immutable. Hebrews 13.8 says He's the same yesterday and today forever. Jesus is the unchangeable God. He's omniscient. He knows all things. John 21.9. He's omnipresent. He says that even the Son of Man who's, who's in heaven and He was on earth at the same time. You say, how can I be? In His deity, He was in heaven. on His humanity, He was on earth because He was the God-man. You have to keep that distinction. He has declared to lay the foundations of the earth and the heavens are served to be the work of his hands. Hebrews 1, 10 through 11 and 12. He created everything, beloved. And he humbled himself to be your savior and my savior to die for our sins. Prayers directed to Jesus. We pray to the Father through Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. Praise is offered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Apostle Paul was so caught up with the love of God. He says, listen, the love of Christ is what constrains us. When you get a picture of the love of Christ, it will constrain you to be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And beloved, the reason we exhort you to read the Word of God daily in your daily Christian life is this. In Corinthians, Paul says, as we look into the Word of God, we are changed from glory to glory. We're being changed unto His image. You want to be more like Christ, you must read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will work on your soul. He will renew your mind till you become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ in your daily walk. But you have to read the Word. The Holy Spirit renews your mind through the reading of the Word. We need that every day, renewing of our mind. Because we are affected with this world. What we see on TV, all this disheartening news of the world, the condition of the world, the condition of America. We need to get our minds off those things and be looking more to Christ. Paul says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Take time to get away from the world, even in your mind. It's hard, isn't it? Because there's so much stuff jumping up everywhere. Everywhere you look, it seems to be trouble, murder, distress, chaos, Killings, missiles over in Ukraine, in Russia, young men dying on both sides, thousands and thousands of young men dying. Beloved, we see reality of death. It's reality. But all we have an anchor within the veil, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The next thing we see is the Lord's incarnation. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5, Wherefore when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. Why did he need a body? Because God cannot die. God could only die in human nature. He had human nature. He had a divine nature. And it was the human nature that could lay down that human nature's life and give it, give that life. He laid down his life freely, freely. For you and I, and as we think about that, how wretched we are outside of Christ, how sinful we are, we deserve nothing but hell itself. But Jesus loved us in spite of what we are. He loved us. Paul said, who loved me and died and gave himself for me. That needs to draw us to him. That love, that compassion, that mercy. How he suffered. And John 1.14 says, and the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. That word dwelt means to tabernacle among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Grace and truth. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, hallelujah for the incarnation. The next thing we see is the Savior and His death or His sacrifice. This is why he came into the world to sacrifice himself for his people. I'm grateful for all his teaching. He's the great teacher. We have the four gospels and his teaching and his uh, his uh, doctrine that he what he taught the apostles, the apostles' doctrine which they got from Christ. Christ was uh, Paul was called up into the third heaven. And Paul was taught in the uh, uh, in book of Galatians, he was taught personally by Jesus Christ. So all the teachings of Paul basically came from Christ. He's the one who revealed to us what we're to believe and what we're to still believe and teach today in the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ and His congregation. Teaching the apostles' doctrine. And Jesus told them in the Great Commission, teaching whatsoever I've commanded you. So truth is important, but truth brings us to this point, sacrifice. Peter says, he is said to have bore our sins in his body on the tree. First Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. When you think about the crucifixion, it will be coming up. Everyone will be celebrating Easter soon. They do it once a year. We do it every Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection and death of Christ every Lord's Day. Every Lord's day. And every day we wake up, we need mercy. Where do we get mercy? Through Christ. Paul said, determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It says in Isaiah 53 6, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our iniquities, our filthiness, our sins were laid on Jesus Christ. For He had made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Beloved, by imputation, Jesus bore our sins in His body and His person. He was our representative. He died in our place. He suffered our sins, S-I-N-S, plural, sins in our place in His own body on the tree. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Isaiah 53, 5. Daniel says in Daniel 9, 26, the Messiah was cut off and not for himself. He was cut off for you and I. I bless the Savior was made a curse in Galatians 3, 13. Cursed is everyone who hangeth upon a tree. He was cursed of God when he hung at Calvary. That's what the Jews said. He's a curse. He's a curse. He said He was the Son of God. he knew He's the curse of God. And He actually became the curse of God because of you and I. He bore our sins and bore our curse. Oh, beloved, that's why we don't have to face the curse of God, the wrath of God. Jesus bore that for you and I. Hallelujah, what a Savior. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. Are we healed? He healed all our infirmities. He gave his life a ransom for many Matthew 20:28. 20 he gave his life. One author said, what more can you give than your life? He gave everything for you and I. And he simply tells you and I follow me. Follow me. Is it unreasonable that we should follow the Lord? Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God, Romans, where that you present your body a living sacrifice. Look at the mercy of God now. Now, you should, because of all the mercies and what Jesus has done, you should present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not something unusual. We should be willing and thrilled that we can serve the Lord with our body, with our soul, with our mind, with our heart, with our whole being. Give it back to the Lord and praise. A living sacrifice. God do not want some dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. Amen. Our gracious Redeemer purges our conscience from dead works to serve the true and living God. He said, once in the end of the world hath He appeared to do what? To put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. I'm glad that God, the Son of God, put away my sins forever. They've been put away. As far as the east is from the west, God says, to be remembered no more. Hebrews said, there are sins and iniquities I will remember no more. That's another reason we should serve God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind because of the goodness and mercy of God toward us. Love will draw, draw you quicker than anything else. A man wants to, wants to draw a woman's heart, he has to show her love. And for a woman wants to draw a man's heart, she has to show him love. Love is the, what binds us together as a congregation, as a family, as a husband and wife. It's love. Where there's no love, there's no unity. We need, and, it, and it's got to be that love that comes from the heart, that love that comes from the soul, that love which is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why when we walk with God, we walk in the Holy Spirit. We then can love one another with a fervent love as we should. One mark of the church of the Jesus Christ, the congregation, is that we to love one another as He loved us. Thank God for His congregation. Thank God for the brothers and sisters in the church that we can show for the love and kindness toward each other. And we can help one another, build build up each other in the faith. Paul said... When Revelation it says, unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins, plural, in his own blood. Beloved, when Jesus shed his blood at Calvary, and that blood was coming out in the thorns in his head, and that blood was being shed, that was the blood is what cleanses us from all sin. All sin. I'm glad God put all on there. If he had said some sins, I'd have said, well, maybe some of mine are not forgiven. But all sin. And as Samuel Piri says, there's no sinner so sinful that the blood of Christ can't cleanse them. Hallelujah for that. I don't care how sinful you are, the blood of Christ can cleanse anyone, everyone from all sin who look to Him for salvation. He made peace by the blood of the cross. Colossians one twenty. He he has made reconciliation for us in in Daniel nine twenty four. Paul says in Romans five nine much more than being now justified by his blood, we've been acquitted by blood. His blood has covered us. God sees you and I in Christ, and in Christ we have no sin. Now it's hard for our minds to grasp that that we in God the Father's sight we're sinless. You say, "How's that possible?" Because He sees us in Christ, and the blood covers us from all sin. We've been justified from all sin in Christ. Now He sees us in ourselves. In ourselves, we need ch- chastising at times. Father, we chastising. Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son and daughter. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards and not sons. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. When I was walking around dead in trespasses and sins without hope and without God in the world, I was already reconciled to God by the Lord Jesus Christ, but I knew nothing about it. But oh, happy day, that day I came to see Jesus as my Savior, Brother Dave. My Savior, who washed my sins away. It was my propitiation, 1 John 1, 2. What a blessing. There's so much more to be said on his sacrifice and his dying us. Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He always had Christ's crucifixion in his view, no matter what he did. Now we come down to the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we'd still be dead in our sins. The angel declared... He is not here in Matthew 28, 6. He is not here for He is risen. As He said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. In Luke it says, in Luke 24, 6, He is not here but is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee. And in verse uh, Mark sixteen six, And He said unto them, Be not affrightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He was put to death and crucified, but He is risen. He is not here anymore. This grave couldn't hold the Son of God. This stone up here couldn't hold Him. He's come out of the grave. He's been resurrected. That's the good news. They went all through Jerusalem preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They turned Jerusalem upside down, they said. These people come here and they've turned this whole city upside down. What were they preaching? Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected from the grave. Hallelujah. That's our joy this morning, all of us. He's resurrected. Where is He at? We're going to see that in a few moments too. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And you know when he came out of the grave, see, he showed that he had power over death. How is that? As soon as he came out of the grave, there were saints in Jerusalem there who came out of the graves themselves, testifying to the power of God. They were walking around. Those who were dead were resurrected. That must have been something to see. Hey, there's there's Brother Joe over there. He's, he's He's walking around. He's been resurrected. There's Sister Sue over there. She's been resurrected. I mean, can you imagine when the Lord came out of the grave and all those other people came out of the graves? What a witness that was that Jesus had conquered death. It was an evidence. He didn't just do that to be doing it, it was a showing to the world that he had conquered death by his death, and he was the resurrection. Remember, he told Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the one who has the power to resurrect. Oh, what a savior we serve. What a savior. Said in Acts two thirty two that Jesus had God raised up whereof we're all witnesses saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon Peter. Then it said, Then he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, five hundred at once, of whom the greater part remain in this present. But some are fallen asleep. First Corinthians fifteen five through 6 who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, Romans four twenty five. His resurrection was a was was declaring that God accepted his sacrifice. Paul said if he didn't come out of the grave, we're still dead in our sins, Brother Ron. We're still dead. But his resurrection every Sunday morning and as we as we meet in the congregation and we meet and worship the Lord, it's a reminder Jesus has been resurrected. What a wonderful, wonderful statement. Now we come down to the good part. He's ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of God. Now we've been studying first John. John says, if any man sin, we have what? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I don't know about you, but I need him every day. Every day. All of us sin in word or deed, or thought every day. I need the blood of Christ cleansing me continually. And that's why it's in the Greek verb present tense. It's showing you and I that the blood just keeps continually cleansing and cleansing and cleansing and cleansing and cleansing. cleansing. Hallelujah. We have a sacrifice. We don't have to offer it. It's been offered once and for all, Paul said. And that sacrifice, which was Jesus, his blood, is daily, moment by moment cleansing you and I from sin, so we can stand in the presence of God and come into the throne of grace boldly and find grace, find mercy and grace and help in time of need, all because of the blood of Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. And in Acts, I mean in Luke chapter twenty four, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, his he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. I tell you, I would have liked to have seen that. I remember that time at that fire station. I thought my feet was going off the ground. When that thing went off, I thought the trumpet blowed. Can you imagine being there watching, seeing Jesus, and all of a sudden, there he goes, there he goes, there he goes, up into heaven. No wonder they turned the world upside down. They were excited. Their Lord and their Savior had been resurrected and now they saw Him ascending up into heaven at the right hand of God. They were thrilled, the early church. They not only was thrilled, they was willing to die, fed to the lion, the lion's dens. They were hung on crosses. They were killed. They were slaughtered. Some of them hid in caves because they looked for that city whose builder and maker is God. He was carried up into heaven. Oh, beloved, what a wonderful thought that is. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In a few months or a few years, David will get to that verse, Hebrews 4.8. Not that long, but he'll get there eventually. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Where's our priest at? He's in heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 4.14. Beloved, because of his incarnation, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, let's hold on to our profession, don't give up fight the good, fight of faith Paul says, lay hold on eternal life don't look back like Lot's wife did and turn into a pillar of salt keep your eyes on the Lord this brings us again to another subject which we are looking forward to the second coming of Christ what a great thrill that is Now, one of the verses, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Titus 2.13, which says, looking. I'm looking for something. Are you looking for something? Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our what? Savior. I'm looking for the Savior who is our God, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes up. Be looking up. I'll tell you, the way the world's going, the conditions are going, that I believe that trumpet could sound any more. Beloved, the only thing that grieves us when we think about the second coming, we have so many loved ones that doesn't know the Lord. And I know that grieves all of us. And if they know Him, maybe they're not serving Him like they should. But with those things are in the Lord's hands. But what we should do for our loved ones is we have opportunity we need to witness to them about Jesus Christ. We need to pray for them, and we need to live in front of them the life of Christ in our own bodies and souls. Looking for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says in first Corinthians fifteen twenty three, but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at His coming, He's coming for His own. He's coming for His people. Read First Thessalonians chapter 5. When He said the trumpet, be not ignorant of this one thing. And then He goes down through there and says, we shall forever be with the Lord when we're called up to be with the Lord. Beloved, He's coming for His own. It says, wherefore God hath highly exalted Him, who? Jesus. And given Him a name which is above everything. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father, beloved. Every knee will bow that day, whether they're God's people or not. They will bow in honor of who Jesus is. He's the Lord of glory. Every knee will bow. Jesus said in John chapter six, thirty seven, in his Christ teaching while he was on earth, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Beloved, all God's people will come to Christ. That he the Father gave to Christ. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing. Nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. John six thirty nine. Beloved, none of God's people will be lost, none, not one, because the blood has cleansed us from all sin. Thank God for that. And this is the will of Him that sent me, of everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Who's He going to raise up at the last day? All those who believe in Him will be raised up at the last day. That's going to be a great getting up morning. There's a song, oh old spiritual song called Great, Great Getting Up Morning. Fare you well, fare you well. One day it's going to happen. The grave, all the graves all over the world are going to open up and all the saints are going to go home. Oh, beloved, that's going to be a jubilee. Paul's teaching said also in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. Beloved, all that Jesus died for were quickened with Christ when He died. We were quickened with Him. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When He will come out of the grave, we came out of the grave. Why? He was our representative. He was dying for us and being resurrected for you and I. We were resurrected. So all who He died for, all who He shed His blood for, they were quickened with Him in His death. They were resurrected with Him in His resurrection. No wonder there can be no separation from those who are in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He's called the Savior of the world. Jew and Gentile. Not just the Jewish nation only. As I said before, the Jews had an idea that Christ, the Messiah, would only die for the Jews. But John was saying he died for the sins of the whole world. What's he talking about? Jew and Gentile. If you wasn't a Jew, you was a Gentile or a pagan. Revelation has this to say in Revelation 5-9. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God, hast redeemed us, past tense, to God, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 5, 9. That's what it means by the whole world. There is people out of the whole world that God has redeemed out of the whole world, Jew and Gentile. And then the priest said this, Now consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. And that this he spake, spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God which were scattered abroad. That's the world that Jesus saved. That's the world he's the Savior of. The children of God which are scattered abroad. The children, where he says in Hebrews chapter 2, Behold I and the children which God hath given me. When did he give them to Jesus? Before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Wherefore God hath had exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you confessed Him as Lord in your life? Now, to confess Christ, we'll be getting into that next time I preach, means that you have yielded yourself to the Lord to obey Him. If you're not obeying Him, in reality, as far as your personal life is concerned, He's not your Lord. Jesus said, whom you obey, his servant you are. If we obey sin, we are servant of sin. That's why the Bible warns us to confess our sins daily, that we don't become servants of sin. The Savior bore our sins in his body on the tree and made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He was made a curse for us. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him, the Father, and put Him to grief. The chastisement of peace was upon Him. He put away our sins by the sacrifice of Himself. He washed us from our sins in His own blood. He made peace by His blood on the cross. He justified us by his blood. He reconciled us to God while we were still enemies. And no one he says, Whosoever shall confess Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. That we'll take up the next time. But I want to say, in closing. What Jesus came to do, he completed. He came to save his people. There's not one person in hell that he died for. Not one. All that he died for is in glory, will be in glory. He said, I've lost none. All that the Father gives me, he said, I will raise it up at the last day. If he died for all, then the Lord will raise up the whole world the last day with eternal life. But that's not going, that's not going to happen. The Bible don't teach that. It's particular. Redemption. He died for a particular people. Who were those people? They were the ones that were given him before the foundation of the world. In the covenant of grace, may we pray. Our gracious Father, may you dismiss us with our spirit. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the comfort that we have that Jesus is our savior. He's the savior of those that believe. He's coming back for those that believe in that day. Believers will be admired in him. We'll look for him. We're looking for his second coming. That we should be changed into like His body, and we'll be without sin, without blemish, and without spot. We'll be raised with a incorruptible body, like our Lord. We're looking forward to that day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.